I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oh, For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-pack radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, your source for Pac-12 gambling advice with William Hills Maxmeyer and the home of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Model. Thank you for joining us. An interesting show today because I am on the road and we had to split this podcast up into two again, but I'm excited to release this particular portion because it covers Pac-12 basketball and the Las Vegas tournament. I'm hoping we can get our football portion up this week. We will see. It depends on the editing, but had a really good conversation about where the conference is headed into the postseason. So here it is. We're getting into conference tournament time. The season is wrapping up. Tournaments in two weeks in las vegas we're going to be there and if you're going to be in las vegas hit us up on twitter at one two pac radio 12 pack radio let us know you're out there we'd love to hang out with you we're going to be spending a lot of time in the sports book i think we're going to go to like one or two games but not a ton of them so we'll just be hanging around vegas having a good time uh you know betting on sports and and very very excited about that max you have been to the tournament and i have been to the tournament but now that you work for William Hill and you are you are a much more sophisticated Las Vegas savant than Rob and I, the amateurs over here, what if somebody's going to the Pac-12 tournament, A, why should they go? And B, what, what should they expect when they're there? Uh, so I loved going to the Pac-12 tournament. This is actually – so I'll be in Vegas during that time, but this is the first time I haven't been in the Pac- – or I haven't gone to the Pac-12 tournament in seven years. And I just love it because it's, it's 11 games in four days. And I guess it's not for everyone, but just watching these games back to back and then being able to live bet on them from the stands, or I guess in my case, in press row, which definitely could be frowned upon, but I still did it anyway. (laughs) And it's just like it's a degenerate parrot. And then even like you just hear groans from the crowd on meaningless buzzer beaters that affect the spread and not the actual game itself. And it's just a really fun atmosphere. And I feel like with this year, like they're like Pac-12 has some legitimate talent. And the best the best Pac-12 tournament I ever went to was the year that Lonzo and uh, TJ Leaf were on UCLA and Oregon was that was their final four team. And Arizona was really good that year, too. And then just seeing like these teams like meet up in the semifinals and the final. It's, it's just like March. It's NCAA tournament level games. And it's in Vegas, which is always a blast. Like I, there's no place I'd rather be than Vegas for March. So it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of basketball, but I don't know, it's, it's like a chance to see all these guys in person uh, for one last time before, uh, especially before the top guys head out to the draft or some seniors. So like Peyton Pritchard, for instance, like this is his last Pac-12 tournament. And I, I, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun for sure. And with Vegas, like you have, have sports betting, uh, I'm, I'm pretty washed right now, so definitely not as much of a clubber anymore. But if that's your thing, uh, Saturday 
before the NCAA title game is all, or before the Pac-12 title game is always fun. And then the restaurant scene in Vegas is really good too. So, so it's just, you know, it's a weekend uh, getaway and it's basically the appetizer or I, I actually think it's the main course of March Madness. Like I, I think being in Vegas for conference tournament week is more fun just because there's more games uh, available to bet on and because there are actual games being played in Vegas. And it used to be where Pac-12 and Mountain West, the conferences would be, uh, both would be playing their conference tournaments in Vegas that week. Yeah. But Mountain West moved theirs up uh, this week, or, or, or yeah, well, this upcoming week, I think because of a trade show in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I mean, I've had friends go to both the Mountain West uh, comp- or tournament title game and Pac-12 title game in the same day. So for college basketball junkies, I, I think Vegas is a really fun place to stay for conference tournament weekend. It's incredibly sur- surreal. One of the things I'm interested to see if the WAC is playing there, because for a while it was like the WAC and Mountain West and Pac-12, and it was just like crazy town. But the the energy in the city while the tournaments are happening and everybody has their jerseys on and everybody's excited to be there and like and you'll just walk up to the food like most in the Pac-12 usually they stay at the MGM so all the teams tend to stay there and so I remember being in line like you know getting a slice of pizza at like 2 a.m. and there's James Harden <laughs> it's like oh like this this is this is super weird like shouldn't you be in your room and preparing for the game um, but it, it's oh, just and I, I was gonna say one time I. <laughs> We were uh, a friend, friend and I were at the we were walking around the MGM casino and we saw Larry Kostoviak at the at the at like the big betters table getting a massage and it was and it was at like <laughs> one in the morning. We were with Larry. We were we weren't talking to Larry, but we were at the same pool as Larry for like five hours <laughs> last year after <laughs> yeah. the after Utah got knocked out. And Larry, Larry was like just living it up. He's like, the season is over. Like I just, I get to hang out in a pool. And what does he, what does he like to burn for his players? Like the, the sweet grass. Like yeah, uh, <laughs> he was, he was living it up. No, it's just, it's just interesting because like the players are there and coaches are there. Like Larry Scott walked by us. And I think Rick Powell booed at him. I mean, it's just, it's just such a bizarre. A place to be and it's very very fun one of the things that's interesting is they moved it from the and you'll probably remember these times max it used to be the mgm grand and they would yeah. play where the fights were so basically like you couldn't get a bad seat i think one thing to keep in mind is if you're going now they play in the t-mobile arena which is a professional hockey arena mm-hmm. that they built yeah it's the, the tickets are expensive and usually in order to get into the inner bowl which is kind of like how you really want to watch a basketball game you have to buy the full season pass, which is like five or full session pass, which is like $500 a seat. Um, and then those get put on the, the secondary market. But I mean, it's going to put you back about $80 even to set, sit up in the, the upper rafters, but it's still loud and fun. And, uh, I think one thing to keep in mind, that's always like, it's totally worth the $85 you're going to spend. It's the chance to boo Larry Scott. Uh, you know, when he presents the trophy to whomever is going to win the tournament this year, everybody just boos him. And that on its own, Max, is totally worth the price of admission. Well, I, I guess as a media member, I, I couldn't really do it, but it's always it, it is really funny. <laughs> and yeah, he's definitely going to get this. It was at, like, yeah, I'm trying to like what what would be, well, I guess Arizona just because that they're always they always show up. So uh, I'm rooting for Arizona, I guess, to make the finals because that would get the loudest boos. For Larry Scott, uh, oh, they hate Larry Scott. Yeah, hate Larry and Scott. then I, I, I'm just 
I guess like out of the realistic, like Oregon usually shows up pretty nicely. Um, Colorado has a good fan base as well. Utah, Utah. I, if, if Utah was good, like that, like I think Arizona, Utah, like those are the two. The, I think those are the two most uh, fun fan bases at the Pac-12. But uh, man, Utah—they're really young this year, and, and they've just absolutely cratered, especially on the road. It's always interesting to see who shows up and who's hot, right? Because usually it's like 50% Arizona fans and I'm, I'm not exaggerating. It's just no, it's... Arizona fans. Sh- they're, they're the only team that cares about basketball, basically the only program in the country or in the conference that really wants to show up. So it, so if you don't like obnoxious Arizona fans, you might not want to go to Vegas this weekend, but if you could ignore that and set that aside, um, yeah, like UCLA, you know, sometimes will make a, a push because, you know, if the team's good and it's like a three hour drive from, um, from Los Angeles, but like Tucson, like the fans in Tucson make a point to go usually regardless of whether or not the team is good. Um, so yeah, so it's interesting, but yeah, a lot of Utah fans show up. Um, Max, when you're taking a look at betting a conference tournament, what are some things that you keep in mind and what are some angles that you have to bet? Because there's a couple different ways that you can in a conference tournament. So, yeah, I just looking at, um, at who they're slated to play in these conference tournaments. Like I remember last year, um, we predicted Oregon outright and they were the sixth seed and normally Pac-12 tournaments really chalky with the one seed or the two seed winning a lot of the time because of that buy. But Oregon won four games in four days just because, one, they were on the opposite end of the Washington bracket. And, and Washington, I mean, they just completely dominated uh, the Pac-12 regular season that year outside of losing to White King Jones in Berkeley. Uh, and then they were facing the weakest of the top four seeds in Utah in the second round. And then they were slated to face Arizona State, which was the two seed uh, that year in the semis. And Arizona State, like with Bobby Hurley, very Jekyll and Hyde. And Oregon, like it was just like it was like they were playing their best basketball. And I think you have to kind of look at momentum uh, or going into these tournaments, but not that strongly. And that like that's the only reason why you're picking them. But Oregon uh, obviously won last year. Colorado was the other extremely hot team uh, into that tournament. And, and mistakenly, I had I had Oregon over Oregon State. Uh, that year that's and, right or, and, forgot about that and, and Oregon and Oregon State was upset by Colorado in the second round and, and Colorado gave Washington uh, quite a game in the semifinals too and so I mean it, it made sense that Oregon and Colorado um, did well and then also I, I just think especially since it's uh, three three games in three days or four games in four days this is really where coaches establish themselves and Dan, with Dana Altman at Oregon, he's he's the best coach in the conference, obviously. And preparing for his matchup zone, especially on limited prep. Granted, I mean, these teams, most of them have seen it already twice before. But just having less of a prep time, uh, I, it really favors the better coaches. All right, let's talk about where the conference is right now going into the Pac-12 tournament. It's interesting because UCLA is at the top of the conference right now at 12-5. and five. And they have one game left on their slate, and it's at USC. Number two right now is Oregon. They're eleven and five. Um, they have games coming up. They get the Bay Area schools at home. ASU is next at ten and six, and they have the Washington schools at home. And then you have Colorado at ten and seven, 
USC at 10 and 7, and then Arizona and Stanford are tied at 9 and 7. So this is a really close matchup, and it's kind of hard to fill in that bracket yet because so much stuff can happen, though. Um, Max, I'm curious who you think the top four seeds are going to be that get that by as we go into Las Vegas. So... Uh, I think UCLA and Oregon, I think, are both obviously locks. Um, And then I would say Oregon is the one seed just because they – so they played one fewer game – or one less game than UCLA, but they hold the tiebreaker because they've only played once and they beat UCLA by 21. And they also – they host Cal and Stanford. And so – you would expect Oregon probably to sweep those games versus UCLA. They're going to be a they're going to be a slight underdog. Like it'll probably be like a three point underdog at USC. And so if if UCLA loses the USC game, Oregon is absolutely the one seed. If they beat USC, I still think more times than not Oregon uh, would finish as as the one seed. So I, I'll go Oregon one, UCLA two, and then. I don't know. I just have a funny feeling with Arizona State. So the, uh, Arizona State and Arizona, they host the Washington schools. And you would think that they would both get sweeps because, they, I mean, they're going to be they're going to be favored in both those games. I mean, uh, and especially, like Arizona is going to be favored by like at least six, seven points, maybe against Washington and then double digits, Washington State and then and ASU, like maybe like four, four and a half against Washington and like 10 against Washington State. So. But I just feel like Arizona State, like it's classic Bobby Hurley to have like this Jekyll and Hyde. And so I think that they actually lose one of those two games. <laughs> um, and then Colorado has one more and they Utah and they're wins. at and they're at Utah. I think Utah wins that game like Colorado. Um, like they, they've really been struggling on the road lately and they they were the best. Uh, three-point shooting team uh, in conference play for a while, but that outside shooting has started to regress. Like, I was watching the Colorado-Cal game uh, Thursday night, and Colorado shot, like, three of 20 from three in the second half. It was awful. (laughs) And and Arizona, actually, they shot three of 26 against USC Galen Center. So maybe just poor three-point shooting to end February is is a conference-wide epidemic. But, yeah, I, I think Colorado can definitely lose to Utah. So I would probably go and then, and then USC is tied um, with Colorado at 10 and seven. And I don't know, like uh, it's like UCLA team of destiny or, or USC at home. It's, it's a tough call. I'll go. I'll, I'll say you, I'll say UCLA, uh, uh, even though I, I think it's a, it's a pretty good um, sell high uh, spot for UCLA but I also thought that uh, against Arizona like I bet Arizona minus two and, and that blew up in my face <laughs> but um, I'll, I'll say UCLA beats USC because Enfield Enfield versus Cronin is a coaching mismatch and USC uh, wiped the floor with UCLA the first time and so there's definitely a little bit of a revenge angle there so I'll go Oregon one UCLA two Arizona State three Arizona four I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Rob, out of the top six or seven teams, like I'm assuming that, well, actually, let me ask you this, Max. The, uh, I'm assuming that the odds on the conference champion, the, the conference tournament champion, are going to be spread out amongst like four or five teams, right? I would assume like maybe Oregon is three to one. Is that probably the best odds you're going to get? Or the lowest odds you're going to get? Uh, well, it depends because like if, if Oregon is the one seed and Arizona is the four seed, then Oregon will have uh, slightly higher odds then. But if uh, if Arizona State's the four seed and, and Oregon's the one seed, then Oregon is, is probably going to be around like I, I'd say two to one, two fifty. With Arizona, if, if Arizona's the four and Oregon's the one, like maybe like 350, something like that. Mm. Rob, who's the wild card here outside of Oregon that you'd have your money on? I mean, <laughs> I mean it's got to be UCLA, right? Like, is there anybody else even remotely playing well oh, right you, now? You don't think Remy Martin's going to get hot? Why would, you, why, why would you put that kind of faith <laughs> I mean that's I mean, it's but it is tough because you as you go through a I mean most of these teams are not playing particularly well right now um and b like the you know I I would also say that like there's just none of these coaches that you have any particular faith in I mean I I, I like Tad Boyle probably more than a lot of the other coaches here but the Buffaloes aren't playing great right now um you know heading into this tournament I mean UCLA Maybe it catches up with them, um, you know, but they seem to have in the way that all the other teams are sort of like talking about after their losses, like, oh, we're so close to putting it together. Like UCLA seems to have put it together, I guess. I mean, it's hard. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I wouldn't I mean, after watching Arizona, I mean, I've watched a lot of Arizona basketball, you know, from what I've seen, I would I would not have faith in Arizona right now. I mean, certainly not. Certainly not Arizona State, um, who I, I mean I think is I think is capable. I mean I, you you could talk you can talk yourself into Arizona State getting hot, Arizona getting hot. I mean maybe even Andy Enfield is not a good coach, but he's got a he's still got a lot of talent on that roster. Or maybe Colorado just puts it together again. But um, no, I don't. I, I think it's it's pretty much like Oregon and, and UCLA, and they're going to end up on opposite sides of the bracket. So. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. One other thing, too. So when we're in Vegas, we'll be recording. I don't know if we're going to do daily. It depends on, frankly, how crazy, crazy town it gets while we're in Vegas. Uh, but we're going to try to do something daily. So um, we have a Periscope set up. So if you're on Twitter, you should follow us at 12-Pack Radio, 1-2-P-A-C Radio. And we're going to be doing podcasts and basically simulcasting a, um, a Periscope so that you can watch like while you're, you know, while you're at work or whatever. So check that out. You should follow us there. We'll continue to do updates as the conference goes along. And last thing to talk about in terms of basketball. So, oh, oh, actually, oh, I was if, if you guys don't, I was going to say my sleeper. That oh, going to throw into the ring. Yeah, what do you got? And I, I may, hopefully they don't burn me like last year. But I think Oregon State, if they have the right draw, they have the pieces to make a run. So they've actually they have beaten Colorado, Arizona, Stanford, and Oregon. So they it's just that they lose to the bad teams, which is which is kind of bizarre. But the fact that they have one of the best uh, players in the conference and Trey Tinkle, uh, his father Wayne Tinkle, their coach, he, like he's he's fine, like he's a solid coach. Uh, they have um, Pac-12 
they've really, at least I'm looking at Ken Palm now, like their uh, two-point offense has been a really big struggle for the conference overall. And having Kyler Kelly in the middle as, as the best rim protector in the conference, if they go up against a team that has a really poor three-point shooting effort and has to rely a lot on on uh, their interior scoring, like I think that really sets up well for Oregon State. Um, and they're gonna they're, they're gonna definitely be a long shot in this, but they I don't think that they're as bad as their record. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see too, especially new. Well, not not a new stadium. It's like you know the, the conference plays in the T-Mobile Arena all the time, but it's you know not a place that they play often. So you got the new shooting backdrop. A lot of teams are trying to figure out uh, how and, and and the angles and all that stuff. And uh, all of a sudden they drop you into this stadium. And if you're not hitting your shots and you got to go against this like seven two monster that's blocking the rim, that's a really good. Uh, we'll keep a lookout to see what their draw is, and uh, we'll yeah, make especially sh- because if they draw if they draw like the eight nine game against Cal, Oregon State's going to be favored uh, to win the first round. But then again, then they would have to face the one seed. But if the one seed is UCLA, Oregon State would not be more than like a three. I. I because um, let me just look at them now, what their Ken Palm is. So 89. Yeah, like Oregon, they wouldn't be more than like a three, three and a half point underdog on a neutral to UCLA. And so, yeah, it all depends on the draw, obviously. But yeah, if, if you're the team that like faces Cal in the first round and as good as UCLA has been, I'd much rather I'd, I'd play I'd much rather play UCLA than Oregon. Or or another like I, I I wouldn't be afraid of facing Arizona State at all. Um, so yeah, they're they're and then Washington State is also in the middle of the pack. Like it would be kind of funny if, if Cal Washington State was the eight nine game and one of those teams made it to the second round. <laughs> so I have so Max, you look at Ken Palm's numbers and I I do too. Um, but as someone that uh, like I do I do I do know a little bit about ratings and modeling <laughs> and when i'm looking at ken both ken palm and ken palm's not as bad as the net um but when i look at these rating systems what strikes me about them right now and i and I, I pick the teams that i know in college basketball because I, I i don't i mean maybe next year i just give up and buy and build my own college basketball model too but um like it, it does not seem that they are building in enough weight, recency weight into what the ratings are. Like so, so like Arizona's number eleven in the net right now. UCLA is like number eighty. Um, you know, Arizona's seventeen in Ken Palm. I believe UCLA is like seventy-five. No, UCLA is eighty in Ken Palm, seventy-five in the net. I just when I look at how, like, I don't think that they're, and I, and I think that there could be some seeding. <laughs> seeding decisions made on this for the NCAA tournament. Um, like the, the, the PAC 12 right now, like I, I'm, I'm a little worried about how they're going to be like, it, it'd be wonderful for the conference to get like, you know, and I think of the latest bracketology, Joe Lenardi had like seven teams in, from the PAC 12 in. Um, but like there, some of these teams are going to be like the way they're playing right now could have a, the, the conference could have a very embarrassing first weekend. Yeah. And so going on that, um, another um, site that I use is Bart, Bart, Bartorvik or, or T-Rank. And, yeah. with the, and so there you're able to filter out um, dates. So like oh, you, yeah, can, okay. you can do February 1st on and then it updates um, how, how, how each team has performed in, in terms of adjusted efficiency from that time yeah. period. So like I, I just did February 1st. 
on, and Arizona's 22 and UCLA's 30. So that's that can definitely because with Ken Palm, I, the closest you can do for recency is conference only, but that obviously doesn't tell the entire picture with UCLA either. Um, yeah. But yeah, but but if I'm looking at team, if if I want to look at like teams that are like hot or not over like a two or month long stretch, then then T rank is the one that I use more compared to Ken Palm. Because I mean, like for the for beta rank, like drive it, by the time you get to the end of the season or like it's bowl season or something like that, like drives from games in the first game of the season are weighted at I think just a roughly around forty five percent of the weight that I give end of season drives. Which is not to say they're not in the model. The model still fits off them. However, like it's, I, I am waiting the model to get this week right. <laughs> like, I, I'm not waiting the model to give some sort of grade overall of like who had the best, you know, who had the best season. It is like if if teams play tomorrow, who's going to win that game? Um, I just think is what I'm looking across these rankings. Like, yeah, and like if I and if you're betting college basketball like one of the things that i would take away and i do like to look at ken palm is um and if you were using the net for some reason is like i I don't think that they necessarily have their temporal weighting figured out no and i i I agree with that like i i think especially like in terms of you say other teams like i think that they should be weighing conference play more yeah than than non-con because especially with like these younger teams that don't that don't really figure it out at the beginning but like for instance, like I, I think Colorado wasn't rated as poorly as UCLA was last year. I'm actually I'm gonna pull up their Ken Palm quickly, but I don't think the market really didn't adjust to Colorado either. And that was a, a young team like filled with a lot of sophomores uh, that was really figuring it out. Like okay, so Colorado was at the start or yeah at the start of conference play they were 79, and then they got to as high as 102. And then in the Pac-12 tournament or before Pac-12 tournament 69. And so that was just like another and that, that was like another team where I felt that they struggled in the beginning of the season. But that Ken Palm and other models um, weren't uh, quick enough to adjust or weren't adjusting enough for their recent performance. And, yeah, so I, I think conference play should definitely be weighed more heavily because, I mean, UCLA, like, yes, they lost to Hofstra. Yes, they lost to Cal State Fullerton. But. That was when Mick Cronin was still playing uh, Jalen Hill and Cody Riley. They're two bigs in the starting lineup. And now that he's been going one big and then having like Chris Smith at the four and playing three guards and, and it's allowed so much more spacing. Like UCLA has responded and they're a much better team. So T rank for that. And then also another tool that I like to use is hoop lens. And that tool is unique because you can uh, click on one player or, or click on a five man lineup and see uh, all their stats for when that one person is on the floor, when those five players are on the floor at the same time, and see like points per possession differentials and how the, and all these other metrics uh, that compare the two lineups. So, I mean, I, I think if you're only using Ken Palm, I, I think it's a good starting point, but there are so many other sites that you can use that, that paint a better picture overall. Mm. The one other thing too, uh, Rob, is I know that the committee – made a conscious decision and they said this publicly that they're putting a focus on the body of work, which, yeah. which includes the, the beginning of the year, because I think what you had was a lot of teams that were loading up on cupcakes. You know, Pitt was a really good example of this. Like when, uh, Howland was there, they'd play just 
20 nobodies or 15 nobodies and they come into like and then they go into big east play and they were good but at the end of the day what they were putting together in total was not on the same level as some of these other programs so i'm i don't know if ken palm does that but i know i'm curious to see if the net actually focuses too much on just overall body work because that is what the committee if i'm not mistaken max is using right when i mean it's using as a guideline uh when they're making so i'm wondering if it's tailored to what they want yeah and i mean the committee uses lots of metrics uh like if they were only using the net i mean ucla would be in massive trouble but that's why like q uh q1 wins yeah and and so i mean like it's several like the net is only one part of it but yeah no there are definitely some ways that the net can be improved because yeah i mean like ucla is in this i think they're like in the mid 70s in net and it's just not like like what rob was saying before it's it's just not weighing um conference performance enough but then also the you can't really go too far with that because the committee used to um they used to weigh like the i think the final like six weeks like really heavily but then there were teams that were complaining, oh, so non-conference play doesn't matter at all. And so that's why that now they, they've been treating it equally. But it, it, I don't know, it, it's, it's, it's a tough balance. But, I mean, there are so many metrics. And I, I, I think that – and I think that the committee has actually been better in recent years uh, in terms of getting the, the right teams into the field. Like there are still some exceptions, but it, I feel like it hasn't been as egregious as it was in the past. Yeah, I mean, and that looks that looks like you have time. Like it's it, that all all observations are equally weighted. That it looks like there is no time weight applied yeah. <laughs> to it. Ken Palm looks like there might be some time weight, but it doesn't look sufficient to like be as predictive as the metric could be um for actually winning games and that's i mean that's what's i mean gets sort of tough i mean you do want a reward body of work absolutely but um i don't know like i I feel like you should also be looking for teams that are going to you know win a game (laughs) (laughs) all right hey let's get into one last segment here and it'll be real quick i went back and took a look at espn's bracketology now this is a february 28th we're recording on march 1st so it hasn't been updated to reflect i think saturday and sunday's games but i'm just curious what you guys think here um whether or not these teams are overrated or underrated in terms of their seeds so i'm going to go through one by one so max asu right now is listed at as a nine seed are they overseeded or underseeded i don't know nine Nine probably feels about right. I'm just I'm just looking at. Let me pull up their schedule quickly, because I, like uh, I mean Arizona State, it's just hard because at least with normally like with Bobby Hurley's previous seasons, uh, there was all they always had like this one uh, marquee non-conference like they beat Kansas in back-to-back years, which was pretty wild, and in this non-conference slate like. They really like their most impressive win is a, a neutral over St. John's, who's clearly out of the picture, and they beat Georgia at home. But other than that, I mean, they lost to Colorado in, in non conference play in China by 10. I forgot about I that believe, game. I, I can't <laughs> believe that counts as non conference discussion. Uh, they lost to Virginia by three on a neutral. And uh, one of the worst uh, bets I've ever made, uh, they lost to St. Mary's by 40. Uh, on a semi home and they lost to Creighton by seven at home. And those were like, all of those games would have been a a significant win, but they didn't really get that. 
But then conference play, like they they had the comeback win over Arizona. Uh, they had did they? Oh no, they don't. And they and they have a win over Oregon. Like they they just don't have a lot of like big time wins. But they do have and 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 they won at Stanford. But that was also a Stanford team that was without Oscar De Silva. So a little fortunate. And Arizona State they've also played in a lot of close games. So. I guess I guess not, like nine seems fair, but maybe uh, maybe a ten as well. What do you think, Rob? Overseeded or underseeded at nine? I mean, that feels about right for ASU. I mean, like they're not in Dayton, like that's a win for them. Okay, um, number two, Arizona, a six seed right now. Max, overseeded or underseeded? So Arizona is definitely one of the more puzzling resumes <laughs> that you're going to see <laughs> yeah. because the metrics absolutely love. Arizona and it's like they're they're the net their, their strength of schedule is incredibly high and I don't know if like Sean Miller like paid someone to game the system because I mean they're non-conference wins like they, they do it they do have a home win over Illinois but that was actually an Illinois team in a really tough travel situation because they played Grand Canyon either the night or two nights uh, before that game and, and Illinois and then they had another and Illinois just like looked really tired for that game and then they lost to Baylor and Gonzaga. Um, and even though they look like close games, they really want like both those teams kind of collapsed toward the end. And so I think that the score makes it look more impressive than how Arizona actually performed. But yeah, but I mean, like besides Illinois, they have a win over Wake Forest, who's ranked 91st in Ken Palm. And then other than that, it's, it's all teams that are ranked 100 or or worse. And and then they also lost to St. John's as well on a neutral. So I, I just I don't get how that's such a good strength of schedule. And then Arizona, I feel like didn't they didn't exceed expectations on that non-conference schedule. And then in conference play, I, I think that nine and seven is a really disappointing mark for all that talent. And and, and in terms of like uh, games that they were favored to win and lost. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't really get why Arizona is ranked so highly in the metrics. I think six is, I don't think that Arizona is a top 25 team. So I, I, I think six is too high. Okay. What do you think? Or, Rob? or, or two or too low, I should say. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, Oh, like, I mean, it's with their, it, I think it's probably about where they end up though. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, no, I, 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 cause that's that. like, I think their metrics are high enough that the committee oh. isn't going to it. Like it will give them some base to, to push them up. But I do think that the actual play on the floor has been bad of <laughs> late, and that's going to push it down. I mean, Arizona's going to come in, and I mean, you you certainly can't get them any higher than that. I mean, that's, um, you know, they they might come in after the Pac-12 tournament with what, like twenty three, twenty four wins. Like, I, it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to get further up in the um, in the seating with you know that few wins. Okay. What about Colorado? Five seed right now, according to ESPN. No, no way they're a five seed, right? Well, well, I was about like after this recent road trip. No yeah. way. Yeah, this is this does not account that. I, I wish I wish they had updated it. Like I, I, I kept checking right up until we started recording. So, uh, where, where do you think they have a better question here? Where do you think they end up, or where, where would you put them right now after this weekend uh, trip? I would I would have Colorado and Arizona both as like seven seats. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Oregon, a four seed, Max. So Oregon has been, I also think, relatively 
well, I, I shouldn't say disappointing because they, they are in first place, but they, they, they've certainly been quite fortunate with their um, with like their one possession and, and two possession wins. But what's really keeping Oregon like as high as they are is they played a really daunting non-conference schedule and they won like some really good games like uh, Seton Hall on a neutral looks really strong. Uh, Michigan away from home uh in Ann Arbor looks really good uh the Memphis win is is definitely not as good as it was but and and then they also beat Houston and then the and then the uh other games so it was uh Gonzaga which and and Gonzaga is is definitely a top three uh team this year at least in terms of seeding and and I'm pretty sure on Ken Palm as well if I'm not mistaken and Oregon basically gave out an all-out effort and they lost by one in overtime in that game and then Oregon, I mean, like, they also have wins over Arizona, uh, Colorado. Well, well, they swept Arizona, actually. And the metrics love Arizona. So, I mean, they're probably going to love those Oregon wins. Uh, they beat Colorado. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Oregon just has a ton of really – they have, like, a, some really, really good wins. And if they finish first in the Pac-12, I feel like a, a three or four seed is probably where the Ducks are going to end up. Okay, a three seed, Rob. Oregon going all the way up there. That'd be nice. They'd be able to stay out west. Yeah, I mean, I think if Oregon if Oregon gets to the Pac twelve title game, they probably they don't necessarily have to win it. I think if they get to the Pac twelve title game, finish tied with UCLA up top um, of the Pac twelve, I think they'd get a three seed. And I, I think Dana Altman's a good enough coach and has them you know ready to go in the tournament that I don't think they'll uh, the committee will look bad for giving them that. Gotta love Oregon in the tournament. Always love Oregon in the tournament. Let's move over to USC, Max. Number 11 right now is what they're seated in the playing game in ESPN. Overseated or underseated? Well, I think after USC swept the Arizona schools, like, I, I think USC, I mean, I, I, they're not winning. Like, they are so not winning a tournament game. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, like, if you're asking me, are they an 11 seed now? No, they're not because um, their resume is better than that, I guess. Except I, I, this was actually a really fascinating stat that I, that I was looking up. But USC is the only Pac-12 team as of now that doesn't have a win over a current top 25 team. Every wow. other Pac-12 school has a win. And that's going to change this week because Colorado is going to fall out of the top 25. But this week, every single Pac-12 school except for USC had a win over a top 25 team. That's a wild stat. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I like, I've seen some bracketologists have USC as a 9. I think that's too high. Like, I, I think USC is going to end up as a 10 seed. Okay. And then UCLA is currently listed as the first four out, but with how they performed against Arizona. Um, do you think they, they make the tournament if they get, let's say, to the second round of the Pac-12 tournament? Do they beat USC to close the regular season? Yes. Okay, so if they beat USC, well, second round, I mean, they'd have a bye. So that, that means that they'd be losing their first Pac-12 game. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, if they make it to Friday. Uh, that's tough because if you – so you, UCLA is going to finish one or two, and then they would have the seven, eight, nine, or ten. So I guess they – I guess – they should be rooting for the two seed kind of because I feel like that there's going to be a difference uh, in terms of facing the seven seed in the Pac-12, which is, you know, either uh, Stanford or Arizona versus the eight, nine game, which is right now like Cal 
and Washington <laughs> State. So that really wouldn't add anything to their resume. So it, it kind of depends on like because if they if UCLA is the two seed and the seven seed they play and and they, and they beat like the Arizona or Stanford and they also beat USC at Gainland, I think UCLA's in, and they're probably going to be an eleven seed. That'd be a big win for them, and a like, and one of those typical five twelve matchups that you never want to see on your bracket, Rob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, UCLA making it in, uh, given the non conference that they had, would be great. But I, I, I don't think that you could look at them and say that they aren't playing like a tournament team right now. Um, and if they get far, if they beat USC and make it far enough in the Pac twelve tournament, I, I don't think you can keep them out. Um, and if the committee is going to punish them for how they played before, then 11 seems probably all right. Play in seems harsh. If they, if they make it to Saturday, I think they avoid the play in. There you have it. Six teams in officially. We nailed it at 12 bag radio. Um, stay tuned for the uh, continuous updates. We're going to do a bracket podcast. We'll do live updates from Las Vegas. One of the best parts of the year is the PAC 12 tournament. And then of course, selection Sunday, right after the next day, and then headed into March madness. So thanks for tuning in. We'll continue to crank out these podcasts and we will catch you next week.